four important topics that all meld together in this edition of Hidden Headlines. First of all, the riots in major cities, fronted by groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and fueled by the lack of response from Democratic politicians who are leading figures in the places where this anarchy is occurring. This is souring the stomach of American voters and ruining Biden's chance for the White House. I've got the statistics. Also speaking of Black Lives Matter and their widespread influence, especially in sports, it's about to destroy professional sports and ruin big-time college sports as well. I'll explain how. Additionally, this is one the left will despise. Discovering how the Democratic Party of today is much like the Democratic Party that advocated slavery before and after the Civil War. Plus, big media's insatiable lust for bias all reveal how they're actually a mega psyops enterprise. It's all in this special edition of Hidden Headlines, episode 68. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. Thanks for joining me. More on me at briansussman.com and, of course, my Facebook page, Brian Sussman Show. Again, I really appreciate your listenership. The idea behind this episode came after I received a text from a longtime friend who has only done one thing his entire life, coach football. He's coached for some of the top colleges in the country as well as in the NFL. He's not known for talking politics. In fact, most coaches really aren't involved in talking about politics because all they do is talk about sports 24-7. But the text I received from him was indeed political. And at the same time, it was about sports. He said, and I quote, Black Lives Matter is going to destroy professional sports. He included a link to a story about Major League Baseball kneeling for the National Anthem. I would agree, and I'm going to take this one step further. Black Lives Matter not only has the potential to destroy professional sports, but it has the potential to destroy college sports as well. Now let's stop down for a second. There's an old slogan, baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. It's actually a slogan that was used to sell Chevrolet automobiles in the 1970s, but it's brilliant. I mean, people watch a game like baseball to escape their job, to not have to think about their finances and their problems at large. For three hours, they can rally behind a team and cheer and jeer like they're mad. And they pay big money for the tickets if they're going to see the game live. And they wear the jerseys and they wear the crazy hats and they tailgate, and they buy all sorts of stuff to cook outdoors. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And then for most of us who don't go to the game live, what do we do? We purchase a huge, big-screen TV, so the game jumps out of our living room. I mean, we love our sports in the United States of America. Hot dogs are no different, especially in America's larger cities. People will argue over whose city has the best hot dogs, or hoagie, or hero, or sub, or cheesesteak. And then there's apple pie. I mean, virtually everyone loves a good apple pie, and they want that apple pie without a side of politics. 
But now we have an American treasure, like baseball, going political, with players kneeling for the national anthem on opening day. And of course, this is happening in the NBA, and it will continue to occur in the NFL. And the fans, by and large, don't like it. In fact, I could probably go a step further and say most fans hate it. And this couldn't come at a worse time for professional sports and these millionaires playing these games. Because with the coronavirus, no one can come to see the games anyway. We're watching them on TV. Now, getting back to my coach friend. Here's a man who has dedicated his life to football. And as a head college coach, he's recruited kids out of high school or junior college to come play at his school football, to play football. And based on their talent and potential, they get on the team. Most of these kids, let's be realistic, most of these kids in these football programs are black. Many of them come from homes stricken with poverty. So my friend essentially has helped young men who are black completely turn their life around by getting a shot to play NC2A Division I football getting a free scholarship for their education, and for some, for some, making it into the NFL, where, by the way, the minimum annual salary for a rookie active roster player, so this is a rookie active roster player right now, is $480,000 a year. So you're on the bottom of the heap making $480,000 a year, and that doesn't include a signing bonus. And at the top of the heap, you've got a black man like quarterback Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks, who has signed a four-year contract worth $140 million. So suffice it to say, a black man playing in the NFL can do pretty well for himself. I made a similar case in a recent post on my website and Facebook page. This was recently, a couple weeks ago. I wrote that I was at my oldest son's house. We were there for a birthday party. And in the background, on the big screen, was a National Basketball Association game between the Houston Rockets and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I knew that the NBA was all in for the anti-American, pro-anarchy, anti-biblical morality, fundraising tool of the Democrats, Black Lives Matter movement. But I gave a few glances at the TV anyway. And there it was, in big, bold, capital letters on the floor of the court. Black Lives Matter. It was emblazoned on the hardwood. At all times during the game, you could see a part of the slogan. And then when you got a close-up of the referees, they were wearing stupid shirts pro proclaiming officials for social justice. And the announcers at halftime were lecturing us on how important this cause is. And the players were wearing these ridiculous jerseys that substituted their name on the back for a slogan like equality. Equality, I wrote? What a slap in the face to reality. The average player, get a load of this, the average player in the NBA makes $6.6 .6 million a year. That's this season. $6.6 .6 million. The highest paid players are making 20 to nearly $40 million this year. Now, I wonder how many of these players are making a statement for equality 
by giving away 90% of their income to the poor. Because if these average players gave away 90% of their income to the poor, that would leave the average player with $660,000 a year to spend for himself. That's a mighty big paycheck, folks. Or how about this, I opined? Maybe these players could get together and use their fame to rally Nancy Pelosi's House of Representatives to craft, oh, I don't know, a declaration, finally declaring, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Oh, that would be a game changer. (laughs) Of course, I'm being sarcastic. I wonder how many players would even know that such a phrase is already used in the Declaration of Independence. Friends, what we're witnessing here, it defies reality. And the commissioners and the owners of these sports enterprises have allowed their employees to take over with a social justice mutiny. And actually, it's, it's more than professional sports. It's more than a professional sports mutiny. This is a race war, as I'll explain in just a bit. And yes, it all seemed to have started with San Francisco quarterback Colin Kaepernick in 2016. And by the way, as I've noted in past podcasts, while Kaepernick was kneeling on the NFL sideline on Sundays, On Friday nights, when the 49ers were playing home games, he was traveling with local black schools to their football games and leading them during the national anthem, leading them to lie down. They were literally laying down for the national anthem, not kneeling. They were laying on their backs. Now let's transition to college sports. Last week, a group of Pac-12 football players threatened to opt out of the coming season unless their concerns about racial and economic issues in college sports are addressed. So the players posted a statement and a list of their demands on the Players' Tribune website and social media sites with the hashtag, quote, we are united. And then they sent out a news release to reporters. The release listed the names of 13 Pac-12 players from 10 different schools, including Oregon's star safety, Javon Holland. And they provided a statement from each one of these players. So you have Arizona State offensive lineman Cody Shear telling the Associated Press that the players began connecting about a month ago and have been communicating through a messaging app. He said the number of players in their group has actually grown to more than 400. They're calling what they're doing athletic empowerment. They've even publicly called out college coaches for being insensitive. Players' list of demands also is calling for protection for all college sports programs from being eliminated by budget cuts. Okay, let's stop right there for just a moment. At at these big schools, at these big Pac-12 schools, as well as other big programs around the country, Division I programs in particular, can I just tell you something? All the other sports programs would not exist without football. That's where the money is made. Football is where the money is made to fund the other sports through football ticket sales through TV revenue when the games are televised. Trust me, there would be no track. 
There would be no gymnastics. There would be no wrestling. And in some cases, there would be no baseball were it not for football. Okay, continuing with their demands. Racial injustice in college sports. They want that addressed. Racial injustice in college sports. So if you get your way, does that mean there are going to be more white players on the team? More Asian players on the team? I mean, let's think this through. Oh, also, they want economic rights. They want compensation for college athletes. Now, here's a quote from Holland up in Oregon. He says, this is important to me because I want to see the young men that are being exploited by the Pac-12 and the NCAA to have the right to earn money for their families. If we are treated like employees, then we should be compensated as such. Okay, back to me. Isn't that what a free education is all about? You're going to these schools to get a free education. Oh, and on top of that, you have the fun of actually being able to play at that particular level in college, something that no one can take away from you. You'll talk about it the rest of your life. And on top of that, for some of these guys, they have a chance to make it into the NFL. Average salary, once again, $6.6 million this year. Now, listen to some of these other players' demands. 50, this is what the players want. They want the, the actual players to receive 50% of sports revenue. So in other words, the televised games, the ticket sales, they want that distributed to all the players. They want 2% of sports revenue going to support financial aid for low-income black students and community initiatives. By the way, programs like that are already available. They want medical insurance for six years after college. Now, at face value, I'm actually not opposed to that. These kids can get pretty messed up and have lifelong injuries playing college football. However, however, the idea of getting a college education usually results in a J-O-B, job. And with a job comes health insurance. So you shouldn't have to worry about that. Again, the group's hashtag is we are united. Can I tell you something? If these spoiled brats get their way, this is the beginning of the end for college sports. Now, let's take this edition of Hidden Headlines a little deeper. This race war has been in the mix long before the death of George Floyd. My friend Greg Hunter of USA Watchdog has a story wherein he interviews journalist Alex Newman. By the way, Greg Hunter and I went to school at the University of Missouri. After college, I ended up managing an ABC TV affiliate newsroom in Missouri, and Greg was my first hire. And Greg went on to become an investigative reporter with ABC News in New York. Greg's latest piece is entitled... America at War with Godless Marxists. (laughs) He's come a long way from those days at ABC. In it, he reminds us that there are documents that were hacked from George Soros' Open Society Foundation back in 2015. This is all legit. 
and it illustrates the foundation of George Soros pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into the pockets of race activists and community organizers long before Black Lives Matter and Antifa came into existence. The goal, the goal was to create a national movement that was going to undermine local police. And looking back, they have done that and then some. Newman tells Hunter, quote, if you're not thinking straight and you've been brainwashed in the public school system, maybe you'll fall for it. I think what we need to understand here is that we are at war and almost every day Americans have not figured it out. We are definitely going to lose if we don't figure this out. But the other side is waging a war on us and they are playing for all the marbles, end of quote. Newman goes on to say that the entirety of the mainstream news is one big psyop, his words. Newman explains, they are manufacturing hysteria, fear, and lies about racism. We're in a war. This is a psyop tactic used in war by military forces trying to demoralize a population. We are in a war right now, he says. The enemy is using war tactics, including psyops, and I think it will result in a cratering of public support for pro sports. But they don't care. By the way, a psyops is short for a psychological operation, if you will. I mean, look at the entertainment industry. This is a point I really wanted to make on Hidden Headlines. Look at the entertainment industry at large, which includes mainstream news operations. There are six conglomerates that own them all. Six, there are six people at the top of the food chain that can literally be calling all the shots. Yes, there are independent companies trying to get readers and viewers, and they do a great job. But the big six own the bulk of the entertainment and media outlets. For example, National Amusements, that's the name of the company. National Amusements owns CBS and all their enterprises. Paramount, Showtime, BET, MTV, Nickelodeon, and more. Disney owns ABC and all the ABC channels. ESPN and all their channels. Lifetime, Lucasfilms, Marvel, and more. Time Warner owns CNN, HBO, Warner Brothers, Turner, and more. But back to the race war, which is promoted by all the news networks sans Fox. Now, the Democrats are adamant they didn't create Antifa or Black Lives Matter. However, those leading and participating in the activities of Antifa and Black Lives Matter are likely Democrat voters. Also, while the GOP has soundly condemned the activities of Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the Democratic Party leaders have not. Why? Because the Democrats are using Antifa and Black Lives Matter in much the same way that the Democrats used the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, after the Civil War. Back in the day, the KKK was the enforcement arm of the Democrat Party, much the way Antifa and Black Lives Matter are the enforcement arms today.
Now, this isn't rocket science. Let's just put things together. The Democrats were the party of slavery. They saw slavery as personal property and a cheap form of labor. The Republican Party was formed prior to the Civil War in 1854. It was the anti-slavery party. And following the bloody Civil War, and by the way, the latest estimates are that there were 750,000 casualties. Following the end of that Civil War, slavery came to an end. But there were Democrats who were not pleased. Founded in 1865, the Ku Klux Klan, KKK, extended into almost every southern state by 1870. And they became a vehicle for white southern resistance to the Republican Party's Reconstruction-era policies aimed at establishing political and economic equality for black Americans. Its members waged an underground campaign of intimidation and violence directed at white and black leaders and regular citizens. By the way, there were a lot of black Republican leaders back then. The KKK's primary goal was the reestablishment of white supremacy. They wanted blacks to return as property and to be used as cheap labor. There was money to be made and power to be achieved via slavery. And by the way, if you found yourselves in the crosshairs of the KKK, you likely wouldn't make it out alive. Okay, so now let's calmly look at the scene today. The Democrats remain the party of slavery. I'm going to repeat that. The Democrats remain the party of slavery because they are the party of the welfare state. They want blacks to be beholden to government giveaways, government giveaways from cradle to grave, and therefore, therefore, these blacks will be dependent on the Democrat leadership. And the blacks will vote for the Democrats. I might also add that the Democrats are the party of abortion. And the lion's share of abortion clinics and aborted babies occur in black communities. This is why the percentage of Americans who are black has remained at 13% for decades. 13%. And now the Democrats have an enforcement arm. Antifa and Black Lives Matter. These two organizations were designed to stir up emotions. Heck, I'll just say it the way they would. Stir up shit. And intimidate white people to cave their agenda, to cave the Republican agenda, to assure that Democrats get back in power, especially in the White House. And what is their agenda? It's an expansion of the welfare state. Oh, no, we're not talking 50% of sports revenue. But what you have earned, they want everything you make to be equally distributed. They want communism. They want totalitarianism. They want a totally new America. You know, it's interesting to note, Black Lives Matter has really toned down the about page on their website. The words anarchy and socialism have been removed. They do continue to promote their anti-biblical position on sex, but the socialism, the anarchy, can't find it. Maybe this is why in Portland last week, now take a listen to this. 
regarding the anti-biblical position on sex, which BLM still holds to on their website. Maybe this is why in Portland last week, the Antifa BLM protesters burned Bibles along with burning the American flag. Oh, and it gets even grosser. You ready for this? There was an American flag spread out on the pavement, the street, which is public property, by the way. Why aren't these people being arrested for defacing public property? So on the street, there was an American flag laid out. Someone severed a pig's head, a real pig's head. It was a hog's head. And they placed it on this bloody head. They placed it on the American flag and then placed a police hat on top of the pig and then burned the whole thing. Burned the whole thing. Now, here's the good news, because you really do need some good news at this point. The vast majority of Americans do not like what they're seeing. Even registered Democrats, who are more middle of the road, will have a difficult time voting for Joe Biden, given his party's response to all of this rioting. For two months now, Portland has been under siege from Antifa and BLM and other extremists. And they're doing this with paramilitary precision. It's not being picked up by the big media corporations. They're terrorizing sections of the downtown every night. And as organized anarchists, they're deploying a wide array of less than lethal weapons to wound police. Okay, they're they're not killing police necessarily, but they're wounding them. They've got bats and bricks. I mean, there have been pallets of bricks strategically placed. I mean, literally someone's coming in with trucks and delivering pallets of bricks. So these anarchists have weapons in the form of bricks. And they're using lasers to shoot in the eyes of police officers to permanently damage their sight. I mean, all of this is to further their goal to overturn our society and radically transform the country. And these Antifa rioters have even tried to break into and burn a federal courthouse in Portland. They've made it into police uh, offices and police fronts and police buildings, but they tried to get into the federal courthouse. This is a campaign of intimidation and a campaign of destruction. It is domestic terrorism. And again, if the big news media cared to tell the public the truth, it would have been a top story on the nightly news broadcast for weeks. But again, the only reason most people have even heard about this is because the Trump administration is trying to use federal troops to restore law and order, and the Democrats hysterically oppose any such action. Speaker Nancy Pelosi, shame on her. She actually referred to the federal agents deployed to Portland as stormtroopers. Other members of her party have spoken of federal law enforcement officers as some sort of invading army, unwelcome in urban centers. You've got New York Mayor William de Blasio, or Bill de Blasio. By the way, that isn't his given name, as I've shared with you in past podcasts. He's also experiencing flare-ups and violence in his city, and he's declared that he would take Trump to court if any federal officers were deployed in New York City. 
This is reckless. This is cynical even for Democrats in an important election year. Most Americans do not like what they see, even Democrats. And while those Democrats who don't like what they see might not vote for Trump, they may vote for another candidate who won't stand a chance or just sit out altogether. Let me give you some statistics to prove my points here. As for American citizens who are black, let's just look at the statistics. According to research used by the very liberal New York Times, 43% of black voters are moderates. 43%. And 25% identify themselves as conservatives. These black voters don't like these wild riots. And they do not like these calls to defund the police. They also likely recall that before the pandemic, black unemployment fell to a record 5.5% under Trump's policies. Then there were statements made by Biden, like the one during an interview with the National Association of Black Journalists and the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, where Biden said, quote, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. In other words, Joe was saying there in that moment, he believes all blacks think alike. Not so, Joe. That's an insult. So, with insulting comments like that, it's no wonder that, according to the liberal CNN, Biden is polling a couple points lower in favorability with blacks than Hillary was at this same time in 2016. And I mention that because blacks weren't so fond of Hillary. Because in 2016, while white turnout went up, black voter turnout declined for the first time in 20 years in a presidential election. That's according to the Pew Research Center. And these are reasons why Donald Trump will win in November. Now, allow me to get spiritual for just one moment. We need to pray for our nation. We're seeing things taking place here that some would have never thought possible. There's a destructive force in America trying to turn things upside down. That's obvious. In the 1730s, there was something called the Great Awakening. It came to the English colonies of America. And it came primarily through the preaching of a guy named Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. They preached about sin and grace and salvation and repentance and transformation and heaven and hell. And it changed the hearts and minds of everyday people who before had no interest in spirituality. And it birthed churches and colleges and seminaries and missions organizations. And it didn't just change America, it changed the world for the good. The nation was graced with a second awakening in the 1790s. We saw something like that here in the 1970s, you remember the Jesus movement for some of you who are a little older? I mean, that's when my life was radically changed. So we need to pray for revival. You know, even some of these kooks and these nuts and these communists 
And these anarchists can change by the grace of God. We also need to pray for the leaders of our nation. I know, I know, I know that for some of these people in office, it's difficult to pray for them because their policies are so anti-God. But we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our leaders to, to have a God encounter. And for those who already are godly men and women, we need for them to, to have more influence than ever. And we need to pray for our families. You know, life in America is driven by families. Our country is the sum total of families. Pray for families. Pray for families and children. Pray for healthy marriages. Pray for the safety of our kids. Pray that there can be a change in our school system so they're not learning what to think, but how to think. And also recall that there's a God in heaven who's seen it all. He's seen nations rise. He's seen nations fall. He's seen nations resurrected. And speaking of resurrection, his son, Jesus Christ, was resurrected from the grave so that by faith in him, you may have life everlasting. I pray for this nation. I know many of you pray for this nation. And I thank you for allowing me to share for this half hour in this special edition of Hidden Headlines, episode 68, Faith, Family, Freedom. Again, I'm Brian Sussman. More on me at briansussman.com. And now in closing, I will say what callers to my radio show in San Francisco always used to say upon ending their call, I will now hang up on myself. <laughs>